Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. As we continue in this series on every last seat. Keep your finger there and just turn to chapter 20. Go ahead and keep your finger there and turn to chapter 20 real quick. And read verses 30 and 31 with me. This is why John wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. How many know that the Holy Spirit breathed the words on Scripture, right? God's people wrote it as prophets, as apostles, but every word is God-breathed. And so there's always these things in Scripture that we need to look at. But here's the purpose of John's gospel stated explicitly in verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now back to John chapter 1. We're going to read verse 35, verses 35 through 42. It says, The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Kephas, which means Peter. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would bless your word to our heart. In your precious name we pray, amen. Last year, you know, our staff here attended a conference in Palm Desert. The conference was called Thrive Conference, and we were encouraged by John Archer. He is a member of our church. He attends the uh, Brawley campus, and he's the one who encouraged us to attend. And so our staff attended, put on by a man named Pastor Ray Johnston. Ray Johnston has one of the largest churches in California. There's over, it's Bayside Church. They've got six campuses. I believe there's over 12,000, maybe 15,000 a week that attend those services. He's got associate senior pastors, one of which is Lincoln Brewster, who's one of the recording artists today. He's put out some amazing music Lincoln has. He plays for God's glory. It's not about him. It's about the Lord. 
And so Ray put on this conference, Thrive Conference, we'd never attended before, and we were blessed. We were thankful that we went, we were ministered to. There were several thousand church leaders there, and at one point in the conference, Ray Johnston calls up John Archer. And so John Archer comes up to the stage, and we were all shocked, you know, because John's with us, and there's several thousand, what's going on here? And Ray announces to the people, I want you to meet this man. His name is John Archer. If it wasn't for John Archer, there would be no Bayside Church and there would be no Thrive Conference. John Archer and his wife led me and my wife to the Lord many years ago. And when we drifted off, he came after us and he brought us back. And he is the reason why there is a Bayside Church. God used him for Bayside Church, for Thrive Conferences, and everything else. Now, everybody knew Ray Johnston. Ray Johnston is known throughout the United States for his leadership wisdom, uh, for the conferences that he puts on, his leadership abilities, his church. Everybody knows Ray Johnston, but nobody knows John Archer. See, John Archer is kind of the man behind the scenes. If you were to say at that conference with several thousand leaders, how many of you know John Archer? There would have only been our hands from our church go up and maybe a few other hands that knew Ray and was in his inner circle. Ray is the man that's at the front. Ray is the man that God used to launch Bayside and Thrive. But John Archer is the man that God used to get Ray to Jesus. And in our passage of Scripture today, everybody knows the Apostle Peter. If you say, how many know the Apostle Peter, if you've been familiar with the Scriptures, read the Bible at all, you would know the Apostle Peter. He was the one who denied Christ, he's known for, but at the day of Pentecost, he gave the sermon. 3,000 people came to Christ on the day of Pentecost, and then for the first half of the book of Acts, the apostle Peter dominates the book. He was the leader in the church in Jerusalem. He led the Jerusalem council. He was the point man. In Galatians, he's seen as a pillar. But if you ask people to name the disciples according to the surveys, you would name Peter, James, and John, and then people would begin to stumble. Not many people know Andrew. Andrew's not mentioned a whole lot in the scriptures. He's only mentioned a couple times, a few times in the list of the apostles, then in a couple different events that take place in the gospel of John. But yet everybody knows Peter because Peter was used in such great ways by the Lord. But Andrew was just as responsible because he's the one instrument that God used to bring Peter to Jesus. Now, I'm not asking you to be a Peter today. I'm not asking you to be an apostle Peter today. I would ask that you would be an Andrew today. I think that when we look at what's going on in this book here, we're talking about testifying. I read to you a passage of scripture that said the purpose of the book was that you might believe And so Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. One of the themes that you're going to see through the Gospel of John is this theme of belief and unbelief. 
You're going to see people constantly confronted with the person of Jesus Christ, and you're going to see those who accept Jesus and those who reject Jesus. And one of the themes that rises to the top is just that people are testifying about Jesus. Jesus' works are testifying of himself, but still there will be those that reject him. And the gospel of John opens in verse 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh. And in verse 11, it says, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You're going to have this rejection. You're going to have this acceptance. You've got, in verse 19, a whole new section of Scripture that's going to start. The first 18 verses are the prologue, kind of sets the stage for everything else. But then in verse 19, it begins a new section. It says, and this is the testimony of John. The testimony of Christ now begins as John begins to testify of Scripture. He's going to testify of who Jesus is. In verse 29, you have another section. It says the next day. It's marked by the next day. You're going to have two other sections. The next day in verse 35. And in verse 43, the next day, you've got these other sections. All are testifying about Christ. All are testifying about Christ. And one of the striking things that you see in the first chapter of the Gospel of John are what Jesus is referred to. It reads like a litany of his titles in just that one chapter. For instance, in verse 20, he's referred to as Christ. Verse 21, the prophet. Verse 29, Jesus. Verses 29 and 36, the Lamb of God. Verse 33, the one who baptizes with the Spirit. Verse 34, the Son of God. Verses 38 and 39, Rabbi, teacher. Verse 41, Messiah. Verse 45, Son of Joseph. Verse 45, again, Nazarene. Verse 49, King of Israel. And verse 51, the Son of Man. All of these right here, no other chapter in the Bible lists those things of Jesus. It's like a litany of titles that you're going to see played out through the New Testament. And John the Baptist begins by testifying of who Jesus is as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world in verse 29. And in verse 35 and 36, we see where John the Baptist is standing with two of his disciples, the very passage we read. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God. And they followed Jesus, the two disciples that were with him. This says a lot about John's leadership, by the way. John had quite a following. If you read in the New Testament, you see where people were coming to him from all directions. He was baptizing a lot of people, and yet John's goal was to point people to Jesus Christ. He wasn't concerned with himself. Even though he had a big following, it wasn't about him. It was about Jesus. And they followed Jesus because John the Baptist sets the platform. John the Baptist taught them right. And then when he says, behold the lamb, they just follow him. And it all begins with the desire to, to be with Jesus. When you look at Andrew and you look at the other disciple, we don't know who the other disciple is. We suspect it is John, the disciple. He refers to himself as the beloved disciple throughout the gospel of John. He doesn't name himself. And so here there's no name on this second disciple. We think it's probably John, but Andrew is certainly mentioned. 
And it begins with this desire to be with Jesus. When they begin to follow Jesus, he asks them, what are you seeking? Jesus turns to them and says, what are you seeking? And that's a good question too, isn't it? What are you seeking out of this life? What are you seeking out of your career? What are you seeking in this world? What do you seek? That's a good question because you've got a lot of treasure seekers in this world, but very few find the true treasure in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says, what are you seeking? And Andrew answers, they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? They want to know where Jesus is staying. Jesus doesn't give them a street number. He doesn't say, I'm on six way on the Sea of Galilee drive. He just says, come and follow. Come and you will see. And that's the way it always is with Christ. When Jesus calls people, he doesn't tell you everything. You don't know what. You're stepping out in faith to follow Jesus. And he doesn't tell them where he's staying, but the point is they want to go with Jesus. They want to be with Jesus. That word for stay is the Greek word meno, which literally could mean abide. They want to abide with Jesus. When Jesus taught on the vine and the branches in John's gospel chapter 15, Jesus teaches on the vine and the branches, and he says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. The word abide appears seven times in those five verses, in five verses on Jesus' teaching on the vine and the branches. Meno means to abide. They wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. They wanted to be with him. And that's where it all starts, doesn't it? I mean, think about what Andrew and how instrumental he was used of Christ, but it all began with his desire to be with Jesus. Just like you, you remember that day that it called, you wanted to abide. There were times at our church where people would abide for hours in the presence of the Lord. We had 24-hour prayer meetings where people, some of them would stay two, three, four, five hours just praying because they wanted to be in the presence of the Lord. There's this desire to want to abide with Jesus, and that's where everything begins. Isn't that why we do what we do? Because we've come out of the presence of the Lord? Isn't that why we say what we say? Isn't that why we would go to the Philippines or go to Thailand? Because we've been in the presence of the Lord, and when we're in the presence of the Lord, things happen. Our hearts are changed. Our hearts are transformed. Verse 39 tells us that they were with Jesus until the 10th hour. That's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They were with Jesus all day long. That means Jesus was teaching them all day long. Jesus was teaching them about himself. Jesus was teaching them about things concerning the kingdom of God. Something happened in the presence of Jesus for Andrew that it dramatically changed his entire life. He heard what Jesus was saying. Andrew is only seen two other times in the Gospel of John. And you see him bringing others to Jesus because Andrew not only desired to be in the presence of Jesus, he then desired to bring others to Jesus. Look what it says right after that. 
he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Do you see that verse? That they're with Jesus all day long, and you see in that verse, you see both an urgency and an excitement. The urgency is that he first found his brother, Simon. That's what the first order of business. He goes and he finds his brother, Simon, because there's an urgency in his heart when you discover who Christ is, when you discover who the Messiah is. Like I said, Andrew, from this point on, when you see him in the Gospel of John, he's seen two other times, and he's bringing people to Jesus. In John's Gospel, chapter 6, we read where Andrew brings a boy with two fishes and five loaves. He brings them right to Jesus because he knows Jesus has the power to do something. He knows Jesus has the power to feed the thousands with just those two fish and those five loaves. In John's Gospel, chapter 12, you see Andrew again, one of the rare times, and he's bringing Greeks to Jesus. A bunch of Greek people come, and they come to Philip, and they say, hey, we want to see Jesus. Philip doesn't know what to do, so he asks Andrew, and Andrew says, we need to bring him to Jesus, and they bring him to Jesus. And that's how you see Andrew's life. He's not the out front guy, but yet he sees the urgency in the sense that he goes and he gets his brother Simon first. There should be that in our hearts, shouldn't there? When we see somebody, shouldn't there be an urgency in our hearts to bring them to Jesus? I mean, chances are that if you're here this morning at Christ Community Church, somebody invited you. Because I have conversations all the time in the foyer where somebody will come up to me and they'll say, you know what? Somebody brought me to this place, or they told me about this place. There was an urgency in that person's heart to want to see them come to Christ because they know that if they come to Christ Community Church, they're going to get the gospel. They're not going to get a watered-down version or 10 practical ways on successful living financially. They're going to get the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so there's this urgency in our hearts when we discover who Jesus is. There's also this excitement right? Look what it says. It's not only he found his brother Simon. Look at the excitement here. He said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. We found him. You can picture Andrew right now running up to his brother and saying, we found the Messiah. And just to set the stage for that, the messianic expectations were very high during this time. John the Baptist is baptizing people and things are going on. They were expecting the Messiah. They were expecting God to fulfill his promises in the Old Testament. It wasn't like Jesus just showed up on the scene and there was no expectancy. Israel at that time was expecting the Messiah to show up at any time. And John the Baptist, he's out in the wilderness, Jordan River, he's baptizing tons of people. They're coming to him from all over. They're repenting of their sins. John's baptizing them. And they thought that John the Baptist might be the Messiah. Look at verse 19 of this chapter. And this is a testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. You see that? There was a delegation that came from the headquarters, the religious headquarters in Jerusalem. So if there was anything that even smelled like a move of God, the Jerusalem leadership would send people to go check it out. They would investigate it. They would interrogate it. Is this the Messiah? 
Has he shown up? And many people thought John the Baptist was. That's why John opens up his gospel by saying he wasn't the light. He only testified of the light. And so this expectancy of a Messiah showing up and the delegation going to John the Baptist, are you the Christ? That's what it means, the anointed one. Messiah in Hebrew, Meshiach, the anointed one in the Hebrew, the Old Testament. So Messiah, Christ, Christ is the Greek, anointed one. Is this the one sent by God that he promised? And so there's this expectation coming, and then Andrew discovers this is Jesus. This is the one. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the Messiah. This is the expectancy of Israel. This is God's promise coming to fruition. You can see Andrew there all day long, right? When Jesus taught, he taught about himself. At the end of Luke's gospel, it says that he testified that the scriptures testify to him. He taught the things of the Old Testament concerning himself. And so you can imagine that here he's teaching Andrew all those things in the Old Testament all day long. Can you imagine sitting under Jesus all day long? maybe eight hours that day, and just hearing Jesus talk about fulfillment in the Old Testament because he goes to his brother and he says, we found the Christ. He knew for sure that Jesus was the fulfillment of God's promises in the Old Testament. They were expecting it. They were expecting it. They were waiting for it. You ever waited for something, something big, you know, my kids used to wait to go to Disneyland, and it's funny because, you know, you tell them you're going to Disneyland, and you could whisper in the living room, and they, <laughs> you can scream for them to go clean up their rooms, and they don't hear you. They're deaf all of a sudden. Pick up your toys. Pick up your room, and you go back there, and you haven't done that. We didn't hear you, but yet you're in the living room, and you whisper, hey, let's take the kids to Disneyland. Ah! come running out of the room. We're going to Disneyland. But you ever have an expectancy of something big? You know, maybe somebody on their wedding day, maybe somebody's pregnant and they're waiting for that baby to come and there's that expectancy. There was an expectancy in Israel and when Andrew found out that Jesus was the Messiah, he immediately went to his brother. There's an urgency there. And it's interesting because there's that phrase, verse 42, that one phrase, this has a sweet aroma to it. He brought him to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus is the bridge to restoration with God, but people are the bridge to Jesus. Do you realize that? You may think that you don't have any role but you're a bridge to Jesus, just like Andrew was with Peter, that you are a bridge to Jesus. We know that in Christ, there's salvation. But like Paul said in Romans 10, 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And so we become this bridge to Jesus. One of the men he was assigned to us in the Philippines. His name was Jingles. And he was a member of the church where we held the conference. And his role was to take us 
around and show us the Philippines, show us the city of Cebu. Cebu's a huge city. It's like three million people. And then with the suburbs and everything else, it gets even into a whole lot more. But he was assigned to show us. And Jingles was a wealthy man. There's not much, you know, you've got wealthy and you've got poor down there in the Philippines. And he was a wealthy man. He took us to his house he introduced us to his family and everything else, and, and he had this huge house. He was very successful in this life, but his primary calling was to go minister to drug addicts, guys like New Creations. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley, with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.